get comfortable with making the offer. And, you know, the biggest tip that I have about the sales conversation is it's not about you as the coach. It's about the person you're talking to. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today, we're joined by Krista Berry. Krista is a career coach, speaker, upcoming author, and founder of Live Love Work. Krista works with successful mid-career professionals and service-based entrepreneurs who want more from life and career. Krista helps her clients increase professional impact and income, working with them to love their work, be well-paid, and find happiness in and out of the office. She's spoken at multiple Ignite events across Colorado, presented at Fort Collins Startup Week, Colorado State University, and many other local businesses and community organizations. She's the 2015 recipient of the Top 20 Classy Career Girls from ClassyCareerGirls.com and a 2016 and 2017 participant and facilitator of the Larimer County Women of the Year. Krista, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, before we jump into more about your coaching business, I would love it if you would tell us just a little bit about you, maybe some of the things you like to do when you're not busy working. Absolutely. Well, I live in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's about 50 miles north of Denver. And I live here with my husband and our many furry children. (laughs) (laughs) We have, because people always ask when I say that. So we have three dogs, three cats and two rabbits. Oh, wow. That's a houseful. It It is a houseful. And it's often a lot of fun. I do a lot of volunteer work with animals. There's a, several different animal shelters in the area that I work with whenever I have the opportunity. I am a Colorado native and I am a sci-fi nerd. So wow. that plays a big role in my life. <laughs> nice. What is your favorite? What's your favorite sci-fi movie? Oh, movie. That's a really, or book. Or, well, <laughs> yeah, boy, we're just opening the doors now. I was going to say, you know, TV show, because I feel like this is the one people always ask is, you know, go with the classic Star Trek, right? Right. Although I'm a huge, huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, <laughs> and Angel, um, you know, books. Oh, there's so many. But I have to say Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card is probably my favorite. Oh, nice. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm not really big on sci-fi, but, but there's a few that I enjoy. And and another interesting um, tidbit about me is I don't necessarily present like your typical professional coach. I have 14 tattoos. So um, usually that's one of the first things people notice about me. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Have you uh, noticed that that has any impact on your business at all? Actually, I don't think that it does. uh, Because it's one of those things where I think what people really see in us is less our outward appearance and really mm-hmm. who we are and what we what we show about ourselves. And one of the things, one of the, the things that I do, the work that I've done, especially over the last year, is really focused focusing on being present in my body 
And I feel like when I'm really present in my body, people actually don't pay that much attention to the more superficial stuff. Yeah. Well, I think, do you, do you use that like in your marketing? I mean, are you really open about, you know, your personality and the, and who you are? I often am. Yeah. Uh And, and what's interesting for me is that, you know, I have gotten some work, I know, because of my tattoos, because I've had some professionals approach me and say, you know, you're not the traditional professional, you don't on the outward appearance, right? Like you don't show up as the traditional professional. But yet you come across as being very professional and confident and well-rounded. And I've had people seek me out to work with me specifically because of that, because they're really looking for that way for themselves. Like, how do I show up, you know, even if they don't have tattoos and in most cases they don't when they're seeking me out for this, but they're like, how do I show up and and come across with the value that I really want to represent as opposed to what people may see on the surface? Right. Yeah, I think that's something that I run into a lot talking to different coaches, and it may not be tattoos, but it's just the idea of people getting into this business with the idea that it's business. And I'm using air quotes, Mm -hmm. you know, that that they have to be professional and they have to be a certain way with the way they speak and the way they act. And maybe that's not exactly who they are. So when they really kind of just let loose and put it out there, who they really are as a person, a lot of times that's when their business kind of breaks open and starts to be more successful. Absolutely. Because people can tell when you are trying to project a certain quality or when you're just being yourself and when you are just yourself and that includes your vulnerabilities and includes you know, what you're really good at. And then sometimes, you know, maybe things you're less good at, people feel that they can connect with you. I mean, I think it really increases that no like and trust factor. Yeah, definitely. I want to start off the conversation with maybe a little background about your coaching journey. So how long have you been coaching? And what was your path to getting into it in the first place? So I launched my business full time about two years ago. Prior to that, I had been doing some coaching on the side, mostly through referrals. But how I got into this is I have a professional background in HR and business management. And about eight years ago, I started a personal and professional development blog. And what I found was people would read my blog and started coming to me for advice, resume help, interview coaching, and all the stuff around problems that they were facing at work. Mm. And I kept hearing from people, you should really do this for a living. And at the time, I did not have a good concept of what that would look like. And, and people would say that to me, and I was a little confused, like, like what? How did, I don't even know how that would work. Mm-hmm. And then it was about five or six years ago, I think I was working with a mentor and she got me connected with a coach. And it was through the process of me working with a coach that I realized, oh, this is what it can, the relationship can look like in practice. And, and I, and I knew that I had a real drive and interest in helping people help themselves um, under the professional umbrella, like as it relates to their career or their business. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, well, 
I mean, I would love to know, why did you start that blog in the first place? What Was that like a creative outlet? Was it what caused you to want to do that? That is a great question, actually. So what happened was I was going through a health crisis and I had had a long run of stress-related illnesses and injuries and issues. I had seven surgeries in six years. I got shingles at the age of 35 and... Mm. I realized I needed to find a way to better manage my stress. Well, all of this came about right before the economy took a huge dive in, you know, 2007, 2008. Right. And I was at the same time realizing that I needed to find better ways to deal with my own stress. I was looking at my my future, my career and uh, what that was going to look like. And I started writing this blog as a way to challenge myself to not only look at different options for myself career-wise, but also to find ways to better manage the stress that I was experiencing at work. I knew already a lot of good tools and I had a lot of resources. I just wasn't using them consistently and writing a blog post every week and interacting with readers and reading other blogs that were on similar topics really brought all of these concepts and tools into my life in a way that I was living it every day. Right. Did you start the blog then more, I guess, almost like what it was traditionally created for, like an online journal just for yourself? Absolutely. Yep. So when people started reaching out to you, I don't know, I would consider that to be kind of like a little bit mind blowing that people were finding me on the internet for something that I just created for my own benefit. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was less mind blowing for me, I think personally, because I did start the blog in a public space and I had been on live journal for years uh, prior to that. So, um, you know, Live journal, I guess you could, you, you definitely could have a public journal, but mine was mostly friends only. And I was very comfortable and used to the idea of communicating through writing and sharing what I was thinking and experiencing with other people. And so it was a conscious decision to make this blog be different than what I was writing in live journal, right? Like it was, there were personal elements I was revealing in the blog, but it really did have a more professional focus. And I knew that I was putting it out there to the public Mm -hmm. um, for my own sake, but also because I believe that there's other people who, you know, needed some of the same stuff that I needed. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the shift from being employed to being a full-time coach. How did that all come about for you? Well, you know, I did the thing that I, I feel like a lot of us probably do, right? That I left my full-time job and got a part-time job with the intention of launching my business on the side. But how that worked in practice was my part-time job still took up a lot of my mental energy and my time. And while I did some coaching of clients on a referral basis, I wasn't really putting myself out there trying to find clients, treating my business like a business. And so I did that for about two and a half years where I was, it was almost like a hobby business that I was playing at. I have this business while I worked a part-time job, but I really wasn't, I didn't have the skin in the game and I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do. And so I made the decision to quit my part-time job and just do it. No more 
you know, excuses, no more safety net. And what was really interesting is that less than a week after I made the decision to quit my part-time job so that I could launch my business, I actually got fired. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Talk about law of attraction. (laughs) You got what you wanted, right? I certainly did. (laughs) So a lot of people would look at being fired from that safety net as like a huge disappointment. Would you consider that to be one of the best things that happened? It was. It was absolutely a gift because even though I had made the decision to leave that job, I, in my mind, I had created this plan where it was like, okay, I will work here for another six months and I'll slowly transition out. And I had all these ideas and, you know, I was going to go to my boss and talk to her about how I could transition out and was still in my mind even thinking, well, maybe I'll still work just 10 hours a week if she'll let me, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. And it was the greatest gift getting fired because that was really the push that I needed to actually get out there and really, really do it because I was afraid. And I think, you know, that's common. Right. And if that hadn't happened, I don't think that my business would have gotten started Um, as when I thought it was going to get started, you know, it wouldn't have even been six months, I think it would have been further out. But I mean, that moment that I got fired, I was just like, this is a gift. And I am all in and I'm either going to do this and fail. And then I'll go back to working, you know, in the corporate world or whatever, or I'm going to do this and I'm going to succeed and I'm all in. So one of the things that everybody loves to hear about is honestly some of the low points, because it really helps people to understand that even though someone experiences some disappointments at the beginning of building up their business, when they're able to pull themselves up out of that, I mean, that's really inspiring and it lets other people know it's possible. So let's talk about maybe a low point that you experienced as you were getting your coaching business started. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there have been plenty of low points and I like to treat them as opportunities to learn and grow. And I still have low points. I mean, I had one yesterday, so I'm not going to sit here and tell all of you that I have everything figured out and (laughs) it's all going smoothly all the time. I mean, there's still bumps in the road, right? Like that's just part of being a human being and of owning a business and a growing business at that. But one in particular that I wanted to share was I really had difficulty getting started. I got a couple of clients right off the bat but I wasn't really making much momentum. I didn't have very many clients and I was making 500 or less per month for in the beginning, the first couple of months. And most of it was going back into the business. I was working with a coach myself, a business coach. And I was like, what do I, what do I have to do? I have to get some money coming in. It was a real low point. Like I was like, I don't know if I can continue, right? Like this, is this going to be me making the decision that this business isn't going to work because I need to be bringing in some money. And she told me that the fastest and easiest way to get a cash infusion when you're a coach is to make 10 calls to people who you know support you and ask them for a referral. Well, I heard what she said and I was like, okay, I hear what you're saying. And I got to tell you, I am noticing a huge resistance coming up for me. Right. And she said, tell me more about that. And I said, well, it feels 
really needy to call people up and say, you know, I can't find clients. I, I need you to give me a referral. Mm -hmm. And she told me to embrace that neediness to own it instead of trying to shy away from it and encouraged me to go ahead and make the calls. And she said, you know, if you feel needy, people will pick up on it. So just own it. Right. And I did. I started off calling the the friendliest people I know, the ones who are also like my biggest cheerleaders. Right. And I honestly started the conversation by saying, you know, this is really difficult for me. I'm trying to get this business going. And, you know, I'm a really independent person. And I like to think that I can do it myself. But the reality is, is that I need to meet more people who are like the people I want to work with. Mm. And I'm going to ask if you can help me with that. Is that something you're willing to do? And they all said yes. And I said, I said, great, this is the kind of person that I'd like to have some conversations with. Do you know someone like that? And would you be willing to make an introduction? Mm -hmm. And I picked up two clients. And I had quite a few sales conversations. And that really helps me get a lot better at sales conversations. Mm. And, you know, I, I picked up those two more clients. And that got me into a flow. Like once I really got over that hump, where I was having sales conversations and I was comfortable with it, that from there, I didn't really find myself in that place again, where I was like, I don't really have enough clients. I don't have enough leads. Yeah, that's kind of cool because I, I talked to a lot of established coaches that say you have to get out there and have those conversations that the more conversations you have, the more clients you're going to get. And it seems like for new coaches, that can be sort of a sticking point. Like, I don't know if it's just a fear or a mindset thing, but there's this block around getting out there and making offers and or even if you want to frame it as, you know, telling people what you can help them with telling them what problems you can solve, you know, and then asking them to work with you. So I think that's a huge stumbling block for a lot of people. And you just sort of have to suck it up and get over it. Absolutely. And, and for me, you know, I got over it not by pretending I didn't feel needy and that I wasn't needy. Cause let's be honest, I was needy, right? That was the truth. But by owning that and not shying away from it and like, well, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to call and ask people, you know, who they might connect me with because it sounds needy or I'm not going to get on the phone and make that call and pretend like I don't feel weird about it. I totally feel weird about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but by saying that people didn't think less of me, right? They, they felt like they, they knew me, right? Like they, mm -hmm. it was that trust thing. Right. Yeah, definitely. And and I will say too, on that note, because I do agree with you with new coaches that that really is an issue. And I, in addition to doing real sales conversations, I made a commitment to do three practice sales conversations a month with other coaches and entrepreneurs. And I did that for about three or four months. And that made a huge difference as well. So I contacted other coaches and entrepreneurs and I just said, look, you know, I, I want to practice sales conversations. You know, do you want to do a practice session? And we both got to practice on each other and get feedback. And that also helped so, so much. 
So I have a question about that. When you connect with someone else, another coach or another entrepreneur, and you swap out discovery calls, so to speak, mm-hmm. do, do you put on like a persona and you just, and you actually, you know, you ask them questions, you give them some pushback on the price, you know, how exactly, do, how did that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, basically when I, most of the sales conversations that I did, I did tell them, um, like, this is the person I would like you to think about. And mostly I wasn't giving them a, com- you know, a completely fictitious persona. Mm-hmm. I was asking them for the most part to think back on a time in their past when they were in a situation similar to the people that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. And then would have the sales conversation from that basis. So I really, I wasn't giving them an entirely different persona to take on, but was asking them in their own experience, or maybe someone that they're very close to, you know, a family member or a close friend or whatever, like, you know, can you put yourself into this person's shoes and respond as if you were that person? Right. And did you find it helpful for people to bring up challenges or reasons that maybe they were hesitant to work with you so that you could also work through that aspect? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So at what point did you feel like you were finally getting some momentum? Was it like after you started to get a few clients and things just felt easier? Or was there a particular tipping point in your business? You know, the tipping point, the first tipping point for me was right after this conversation that I told you that I had with my coach where I, you know, I was making $500 or less per month. Right. And, um, you know, I made these 10 referral calls. I mean, that led to me having some pretty steady clientele. I didn't have as many clients as I wanted, but it did lead me to, at any given time, I always had a certain number. And so that really felt that was a huge momentum for me piece. And then the second time was um, in February, I spoke at Fort Collins Startup Week and it was like within a couple of weeks, I got tons of leads. And it was interesting because I, you know, didn't make an offer at Fort Collins Startup Week because at the Startup Week events, like the speakers don't typically make an offer from stage. But what happened was I was hearing about my speech from people who hadn't been there. And I was hearing about it in a way that they didn't even know that I'd been the speaker, that they were coming to me and they were like, oh, my friend went to this great talk at Startup Week and she heard about this, you know, she heard this tip and now, and then she told me about it and now I'm doing those things this way and it's so cool and I thought you might be interested in this tip and I'm like, that was actually my talk. (laughs) You're like, oh, I've heard of that tip. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, I realized that it was much bigger than me at that point. And it was crazy because I just got all of these leads and it was so many leads. I was a little bit overwhelmed to follow up with all of them, honestly. And the next month I doubled my income goal. So up to that point, I had been really close to my goal and really close to my goal and really close to my goal. And then the month following when I spoke at startup week, it was like, I doubled it. Mm. And I was like, holy crow, what just happened? (laughs) Exactly. So was that like the first time that you had spoken or was that just sort of like a really a good place that just really meshed with what you had to offer, obviously? It it was the meshing. Yeah, I have been speaking a lot um, Uh really consistently. Right now I speak about twice a month. 
And so I had been speaking one to two times a month at that point in time, every month. And it was just, I don't know, it was the, it was the magical convergence of Mm -hmm. the right talk at the right time to the right audience. Um, My skill level. I mean, the more you get out there and talk, obviously the better and better you get. And along with some of the presence work that I mentioned right at the beginning um, has had a huge impact on my business. And it was, it just all came together just perfectly at that time. So you mentioned that you've been doing this full time for a couple of years. How long or when did you get started speaking? Has this been something that you did from the get go? Yeah, I've been speaking since I started my business. I joined a Toastmasters club um, about five years ago, maybe, just because I'm such a personal and professional development junkie. Like, I love it. It's so much fun. And I had the opportunity to be a part of a Toastmasters club, and I joined, and I found that I really liked speaking. And so I started doing some talks here and there. I did a couple of Ignite talks, even when I had only been in Toastmasters two or three months. I submitted some ideas to various Ignite events and was accepted. And so was getting up on stages of, you know, 500 to 1000 people and talking. Wow. And um, so it was really natural, I think, for me to use speaking as part of my business, because it's something that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that it just turns out that I have an aptitude for. Right. Is that where a coach should get started if they want to get into speaking or if they at least want to see if it's something for them? Do you suggest getting involved in Toastmasters? Toastmasters is a great way to get started or to even test the waters Mm -hmm. um, because it's a great place to practice as well as a great place to grow your skills. And what's great about Toastmasters specifically is that you get better not only at communicating your ideas from the front of the room, but there's all these other elements that happen at Toastmasters that you get really, really good at listening. And let me tell you, I'm a coach. I thought I was good at listening and I was, but Toastmasters made me an even better listener as well as it really helped me hone giving feedback in a way that motivates people, but also helps them improve. So again, that was a skill that I believed I had at least some, somewhat, but Toastmasters helped me get a lot better at it. And it also helped me practice extemporaneous speaking, speaking off the cuff, and then facilitating, because there's all these different roles that you can take on in the meetings, and you get the opportunity to practice a lot of different skills by taking on the different roles. Um, Different meetings and groups are different. They have different flavor, different feel to them. Uh And some are more structured and a little bit more traditional than others. And find a group that works for you. If you're wanting to look at that as an option, and if you go to a meeting and it doesn't feel like it's the right fit, try a different one. Okay, yeah, that's really great advice because I know that a lot of people would walk into one and if they're all called Toastmasters, they're just going to assume that everything's going to be structured pretty much the same. So it's good to know that if you don't really vibe with one, go check out something in the next town over and it might work a lot better for you. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how you generate revenue. You have mentioned that you do a lot of speaking and coaching and you work with professionals. 
and entrepreneurs. So do you work with individuals or corporations or how do you generate revenue in your business? So right now I'm primarily doing one-on-one coaching with individuals. When I'm working with an entrepreneur, I am sometimes working with a business owner, um, but I don't really consider that B2B. I do consider myself a B2C, so I'm working directly with the consumer rather than businesses most of the time. Ah, okay, great. So what's coming up in the future? What are you interested in creating next in your business? Oh, this is a great question because I'm really excited to talk about this. For years when I was in my professional career, I was looking for opportunities to grow professionally, to be a part of a community and connect with other professionals. And I really struggled to find groups that provided the opportunities that I was looking for. There's a lot of different professional associations that are specific to an industry. And there's a lot of different networking groups out there. There's tons of networking groups out there. But my experience has been, at least in my area, that a lot of them focus on entrepreneurs. And so I am getting ready to launch a networking group for professional women that includes career professionals and entrepreneurs who are interested in creating community around leadership and professional and business opportunities. Wow. So is this something that you're going to create locally or is this an online? It's going to start local and I would love for it to get bigger and be online and have a lot of different elements associated with it. But to start, it's going to be a local group that, like I said before, is really focused on community Mm -hmm. and what I've been, how I've been describing it so far is it's a networking group for people who hate networking. Most coaches seem to feel that networking is definitely something that people should do. But at the same time, I talk to a lot of coaches that that hate it, that absolutely hate going to a networking event because it feels like you know, you're in a receiving line and you're just taking a card and giving a card and there's not a lot of relationships that are formed. Mm-hmm. And and that's a huge part of my inspiration behind this group. And my involvement with the Larimer County Women of the Year program has been also a big inspiration for me because that program is all about women creating community and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And I have just so enjoyed my participation in that organization the last two years. And I'm taking a lot of what I've gotten out of that organization and experience and bringing it into a networking group that's a little bit broader and is more accessible to more people. So speaking of networking, would you say that that is your favorite way of introducing brand new clients into your business and what you do? Or do you have another way that you enjoy? Speaking is what it is for me. Ah. It's getting in front of the room and Uh sharing stories with people. And I get about 90% of my leads from speaking. Wow. So where do you speak normally? So I'm typically speaking at... Uh, different networking groups a lot of the time. Um, But the nice thing about being the speaker versus just showing up to network is that it's it's a different dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. When you are just put into a room with a bunch of other people and it's like, okay, mingle or 
you know, talk or whatever, here's my business card. And when I have an opportunity to get in front of the room and really show who I am as a coach and as a facilitator to share stories, to give people some tangible idea or practice or tool that they can use to benefit their own business or life. It definitely is a different dynamic when you go into a networking event and you're just one of the folks down there, you know, shaking hands and handing out cards versus you go into it with the idea of I'm an authority on the subject, I'm going to speak. And then people kind of look at you a little differently and they want to come and talk to you and learn more about what you what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So in most of your speaking engagements, do you do you make an offer? Do you find a way to get people on? On your list or is it really just um, strictly you know meeting people and, and sharing about who you are so this is an answer that I think that most coaches are not going to want to hear but I make an offer I, I I speak for free as long as I can make an offer and I'm usually making an offer for a discovery session right so it's a freebie offer but you have to be making an offer. You have to be offering your service to services to people, whether it's in a sales conversation or just, you know, discovery call, whatever you want to call it, or when you're in the front of the room, if you're not telling people how they can work with you, then you're really doing a disservice to them. Right. Because as a coach, if I truly believe that what I'm offering, what I have to offer is going to help people then I'm doing them a disservice by not telling them how they can take advantage of it. And that's not, you know, what I'm talking about is different than high pressure sales. Like I'm going to try to convince you that you need what I have. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being present with the person. And if I truly feel that I can solve a problem that they have is telling them how we can make that happen, not trying to convince them to work with me because it's not about me in that moment. It's about them. It's about the other person. And if I've given them some valuable insight or shared information with them, if, if they've connected with me in some way and they see themselves in the ideas and concepts that I'm talking about, then the, the most beneficial thing that I can do to be of service to them is to tell them how they can take it to the next level if they want to. Right, because really in a talk, like you're talking about something like a lunch and learn, something like that, you just have a short amount of time that you're going to be presenting these ideas. So if you can really wrap your head around the fact that you've whetted their appetite a little bit, they should want to learn more. If it's really resonating with them, you really should just be getting them very excited about the things that they can accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a little bit this, of the dynamic of if I don't make an offer and tell them how they can take advantage of, of having a conversation with me, if they're interested, it's like I'm expecting them to make the effort. Mm -hmm. And that's not how I show up as a leader. How I show up as a leader is that I make the effort and create the space and create the container for them to feel ready and comfortable to come to me and say, yeah, I think I would like to have a conversation with you. 
So knowing what you know now about building up a really successful coaching business, what would you say is one action step that you would recommend to coaches that are just getting started? What should they do first? Or is there anything that you wish you had done first when you got started? Well, I'll tell you, I think that getting comfortable with sales conversations is so important. And it's something that really can't be overlooked. The type of work that I do, whether it's with career professionals or entrepreneurs, I see this attitude all the time. And I used to have it too, that if I am really, really good at what I do, and I put my work out into the world, that someone's going to recognize that I'm good for it. And they're going to come to me and want to give me a bunch of money and recognition and reward me for the good work that I'm doing. You know, mm. I'm talking about even people, this, this also goes for people who are employed in a professional career, but right. that's not most people's experience. Just being awesome at what you do isn't usually enough. You have to be in a place, if you really want to be successful, of taking ownership of your value and being able to communicate it and have conversations about it. And for coaches, I think getting comfortable with sales conversations is so important, you know, practice with other coaches, practice with entrepreneurs and have conversations and get comfortable with making the offer. And, you know, the biggest tip that I have about the sales conversation is it's not about you as the coach. It's about the person you're talking to. Mm -hmm. And if you make it about them, it also takes a lot of the pressure. I mean, a lot of the things that most of us have the ideas that we have that make us uncomfortable about sales conversations is because we're making it about ourselves and whether or not the person says yes to us and how do I convince them and I need more clients and I need more money. Stop making it about you. Be a good coach. Make it about them. <laughs> right. So how long is your typical discovery call? 45 minutes. I've had people talk about giving away a free session and doing these marathon one or two hour calls hoping that by the end of it, people will feel that they just can't live without you. And and then I have other people who are on the flip side and they're like, no, 15 minutes. <laughs> if if they'll, they'll know in 15 minutes if I'm the person for them. So I, I think it's really interesting. Everybody's take is, is a little bit different on how to really dig into that and give enough, but then not give too much. Well, and in my opinion, a sales conversation when you're a coach is about coaching someone through a decision-making process. And if you're a good coach, then you're going to be great at sales conversations or you have the opportunity to be great at sales conversations because it's about coaching them through a decision-making process. And it's that simple. Yeah, that's really good. Well, Krista, this has been so good and I have learned a lot in this 40 minutes that we've been talking. So I would love it if we could finish up now with the final five rapid fire questions. Great. What is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? Speaking. What's one quality that you think every successful coach needs to spend some time developing? Get comfortable with vulnerability and don't be afraid to show it. Recommend one book that's had a big impact, either on your business or on your life. So this is not a business book. And it is a novel that I read when I was younger that really inspired me to be myself and to make my own way and create my own path. And that's the Earth's Children series by Jane M. All. 
I love those. <laughs> yeah, I've read, I have read every one of those actually. Give us an online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without. The G Suite, including, G, you know, Gmail, um, Google Calendar, and all of the services that fall under there. And finally, how can the listeners best connect with you now that everybody knows more about you and your business and they want to reach out? Um, let us know what social platforms you're on. What's your website? So my website is live, love, work, and you can find it at live and love live and love I am also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle live, love, work. Well, I will be sure to get all of those links and all of your recommendations onto the show notes page. This has been such a good conversation. Krista, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.